welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Jessica with Sayasset Libraries Turn the Page podcast. I am here with uh, an author who wrote a book called Jackal, which I, I want to call it a lot of um, things. I, I, you know, I think horror is definitely um, a big part of the genre part of this book, but there's so much more within it. Uh, so I'm just actually going to invite um the author to tell us about Jackal and about herself and where the book came from. Um, yeah. So, um, hi, my name is Erin E. Adams. Um, thank you so much for having me on. This is all very exciting. Um, so Jackal is a, um, a horror thriller. It is about a young black woman named Liz who returns to her hometown in the Rust Belt for her best friend's wedding. She hasn't come back home for many, many years for many, many reasons, uh, and mostly because it doesn't really feel like home to her. Um, at So she goes to this wedding. At the ceremony of her best friend's wedding, her best friend's daughter is taken. And as the search for this child begins, uh, our protagonist, Liz, realized that she's seen something like this before when she was in high school. And as she starts to dig through the history of her town, she finds a series of missing and murdered children and they are all black and they are all girls. And so as she's working to put the pieces together, she has to figure out what's going on before, before it's too late. Um, so that's like, that's what Jackal is about. Um, where it came from, whoo, okay. So I grew up in the Rust Belt, um, if, you, if you can't guess. Uh, I grew up in the Rust Belt. I grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And actually, it's where I chose to set my book because Johnstown, among other things, has a fascinating um, history. Uh, the Johnstown flood uh, obviously took place in Johnstown. It was, uh, for years, the largest natural disaster in American history. It is partially what founded the peacetime Red Cross. Um, and it's a major historical event. Uh, and so growing up there, I... Um, uh, I, it's a predominantly white town. And so it's something where I always felt like something was just a little bit off or a little bit um, strange and I could never really put my finger on it. Uh, and then when I moved away and I came back, uh, I came back one time when I revisited, it was around uh, the ever so infamous 2016. And I was like, oh, it's racism. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, not to be so flippant, but it's, it's easy to be flippant with things that are difficult. Um, and yeah, coming back, uh, suddenly there were just like, I mean, there still are when I go home, um, just like a lot of Trump signs all over the place, a lot of uh, really, really large American flags. And it's something that initially, you know, I had my own, like my own judgments. And then as I started like just digging into in really talking to people from town who I'd grown up with, people who like my mother knows really well. I was like, there is something so much more complicated going on here. Um, and it's not this kind of, I feel people, especially people in New England where I'm currently living are like, oh, well, it's just backwards, whatever. I'm like, it's so much more than that. It's um, in some ways a really, really um, like 
large slice of American life that I felt wasn't being accurately represented. And so of course I threw some magic in there. Um, and uh, it, that kind of unease feeling I felt like was the perfect setting for horror. Um, and then when it comes to mystery, beyond the fact that I love mysteries, I think the best thing about mysteries is as a writer, you get to take the world apart and put it back together again, and you get to see it a little bit differently. Uh, so that's also why the mystery genre was chosen. It was very interesting. And that's why I said, like, you know, it, it definitely has elements of horror in it, but there's layers. And, you know, like, I think this is kind of where the horror genre sort of gets disrespected because I feel like that all good horror has layers. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> it's just you're just watching people get tortured um which which you know is, is a genre of horror so you know whatever that's your thing but for me what what really grabs me about the genre um as I love it is just the layers and how you really can take a magnifying glass to things like oh I know why my hometown felt off yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's put this, you know, let's put this into um a super like like let's let's blow this up and mm -hmm. put it into a supernatural psychological thriller horror uh situation. That's you know, ways that we can sort of um kind of go through our emotions and also for people who are, you know, might not have experienced that because they grew up in a predominantly white place where they were white and they were not you know a minority in the community or you know felt like they maybe were somehow on the outside and couldn't figure out why you know it's like a knock to the head like oh right that you know um but I, I really thought that this book was so good and I really liked Liz she's so complicated and she's so interesting and um you know, you mentioned um, 2016, and one of the things I actually wanted to ask, because when I was reading this book, you know, these, so these disappearances happen a lot, and mm -hmm. um, the, um, uh, Liz's best friend was white, um, is white, Melissa, um, mm -hmm. and they have a daughter, Carol, uh, Caroline, she's uh, marrying uh, her um uh, a black man um mm -hmm. they have been together for a very long time um mm -hmm. and uh you know he's the father of her daughter and they love each other mm -hmm. uh but um caroline goes missing and it sort mm -hmm. of falls back to um all of these uh young black girls around caroline's age who went missing and it's always mm -hmm. around the same time and i know this does come up at some point you know it's around the summer solstice Mm -hmm. um, so like at first, because this story takes place in what, 2017? Yes, it is 20, yeah, 20, the summer of 2017. Okay, so part of me at first was wondering, is this like an, a, a sacrifice post-election years? I was, I was looking, I'm like, okay, Liz, is that like post-Reagan? Like, how is this working exactly? But I was way, I was way off. So that's fine. I'm not actually spoiling anything. It was just, yeah, no. just because you said that earlier and, you know, it like came up in my mind. Um, but that is not a spoiler. Um, although, yes, these disappearances do take place around um, summer solstice and people, you know, the question as to whether or not that it, it does come up. It's not really a spoiler. Um, mm -hmm. so it's part of the story. But 
I, I just, I loved Liz. I, I like homecoming stories and I especially like homecoming horror stories. And I liked Liz going back and sort of going through, you know, um, these moms who've lost their daughters and putting the pieces together in a way that like she didn't realize like things she didn't really realize that these things were happening when she was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah, there's, there are quite a few red herrings in the book. Uh, and there's like quite a, there's quite a lot like floating around in the air. For I, I hope that wasn't too much of a spoiler. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Not I at had all. to throw I, it in because like I have it in my notes because it just made me laugh. That was where my brain was going. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Not a spoiler at all. I, I always think it's so interesting, the stuff that's just kind of like floating around in the air of the book or things that are like, you know, it's like, you have to be specific. So it's like, well, when do you want to set it? What year? And I'm like, yeah, 2017 feels all right. Um, and um, yeah, no, she comes home and I just wanted that uh, to replicate some of that unease, that uneasy feeling. Uh, and that over the course of the book uh, with the mothers, with her best friend, Melissa, with everyone, she begins to like, we start off establishing what those relationships are and then instantly they start to change and she's reassessing and she's looking at them with new eyes and they're examining her with new eyes. And then the situation is just like pulling up these, the, these things that she has not examined in those relationships before. Uh, and I think that that mirrored for some people, uh, something that happened uh, during the election cycle, uh, and it really is like, I think we use the word, we were like looking at marketing words and stuff. We use the word reckoning a lot where it's like, she's going to have to face a whole bunch of stuff uh, in herself, uh, in others, in her friendships, in her relationships. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, it's, it was really it was really just, you know, her, her relationship with her mother and like mm -hmm. how her mother related to the town also mm -hmm. um, was really just well written. And, you know, I really just liked in general, you know, Liz and Melissa, when you look back on their friendship and you look at how different people saw their friendship, um, she, she had um, Keisha, um, was the girl who was in her age group who disappeared when she was younger, um, another young black girl um, who they were not friends. Um, and Keisha and Liz had like this, you know, different relationship where, you know, Keisha was always like, Liz, why can't you just be more? <laughs> yeah, like, why can't you? Like you. <laughs> yes, basically. It's like you are, Liz has the, the, the painful, the painful childhood of being awkward. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. I think um, a lot of times, no, I know a lot of times when I'm writing, I just, I either like writing things that I haven't seen enough of um, or I like writing things that I'm like, okay, I went through that and I feel like there's just, I don't, I don't see it anywhere. So I'm going to put it in here and just see what happens. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I just really wanted to speak to a bit of like 
it's it, it's like you know i feel like there's there's one set of a narrative there's a narrative and uh an experience where if you're one of like only a handful of black people everyone kind of sticks together and becomes really tight-knit really close i feel like we see that a lot uh and i'm like what happens when the opposite happens um when you feel this kind of unspoken competition of like there can only be one and what happens uh when that like both of you desperately need each other but you both of you desperately like uh want to assert yourselves as like you know there's only a spot for one person and i'm gonna get it and i really wanted to explore that i wanted to explore or i wanted to like revisit um friendships between like especially black women and white women and like what comes in with you know age and everything to start to complicate that and especially a childhood friendship we like to I feel like when we're childhood friends we like to revert back to how we were as children and like as we see Liz and Mel trying and failing to do that over and over again it's like okay what's like what's changed here what's going on I also liked just some of the local characters. Um, man, everybody freaking knows a Lauren. I'm sorry if <laughs> Laurens who are reading or the book or watching, sorry, watching, listening to this podcast. Uh, but am I really that sorry? I don't know. Lauren is really annoying. But it's so funny. Like this, the 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 characters were just so well drawn, and you know. Everybody, everybody knows that older guy who everyone crushed on, who got, mm-hmm. you know, who, who somehow got the alcohol for everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. knows the person who was up in everybody's business. So mm-hmm. it really just was like, I mean, aside from, okay, so you have like this legend of a master and a shadow, which um, kind of com- it comes up, it's a reoccurring thread through the story. And it does... <laughs> um, you know, lead you through red herrings and also the answers um, to the story. Um, you have that, uh, which I, I feel like, I mean, here where I am on Long Island, we have our local legends, but they're a little different, you know, it's like, yeah. it, it, but I, I did spend some time um, down in like Delaware and the Maryland area and their local legends are a little bit, again, a little bit different because I think they are a lot closer to rural areas mm-hmm. or towns that are um you know they were affected by um you know just the change changes and mm-hmm. industry changes so um i i really i really liked that um it was really cool but <laughs> the story in general was just like this awesome tapestry and uh so fris was another character um yes. So tell me, tell us a little bit about Chris and talk about Chris. Yeah, why Chris? Yeah. Why why is he why here? why is he here? Oh yeah, no, he's here for many reasons. Um, so Chris uh is Liz's like high school crush, and he was someone again. He's that older guy. He's like always kind of hanging around the high school kids, and it's like completely unrequited. Like all the it's when you know when you're what I think like fourteen have all the feelings and like none of the gumption to do anything about it um and he's there because she's he's there because a part of liz coming home is that she's had a failed engagement and we find out you know the reasons why as we go into the story and part of 
telling a story, especially one like this, is is kind of what you we've kind of been like landing on here and there. It's about the relationships that your your main character has and all the different things those relationships start to offer them and what choices they make because of them. And so Chris is there to kind of offer this, you know, I don't know, like a, a certain level of reassessing how how she deals with men uh and because he's her first crush he's both like oh okay i'm reassessing liz is like i'm reassessing how i deal with men and with the first man that she felt so strongly about uh so it's another thing where he starts off with this kind of you know shiny crush veneer and then as we go on that starts to fall away and she's really being like okay who is this person who was he then and who is he now um so that is really what chris is about he a lot of characters since you know they're they showed up in her childhood and they're coming back again in her adulthood we have those opportunities to track you know um who who were they to her as a child and who are they her to her now as an adult and like how have, have those roles changed uh like something you know as some people who seemed great in childhood are not so great in adulthood some people who um were awful in uh childhood are actually pretty competent adults getting things done <laughs> um so except for lauren <laughs> except for lauren uh <laughs> listen lauren let me tell you there's a couple there are there are three characters who every revision, oh, they walked off with the novel. Um, they are Marie, Liz's mother. Oh my God, everyone loves Liz's mom. Um, I love Liz's mom. <laughs> She's I really loved her too. She was really, <laughs> she really was uh, sort of like that. She, she almost was like a silent pillar holding things up until you like, Liz came back and you know like you really started interacting with her and you're just like oh okay yeah it's like there's something else going on there uh yeah so it's Marie um Lauren <laughs> Lauren I think we're all dancing around the, the the thing of Lauren uh Lauren is a delight she is a gossip she's that lady who's gonna be like who's gonna notice like your hair changed or you gained a little bit of weight or you lost weight or it's like, oh, you have a tattoo there? What's that from? <laughs> She's just this very direct forward uh, woman who like deals in secrets. She just likes to know secrets. Um, and those characters are always so much fun. Uh, so of course, Lauren uh, walked off with it one time. Uh, and then the other character who walks off with it sometimes is uh, um, the medical examiner's wife, Kirsten. Oh, Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard. I'm like, Kirsten, you got to go. You got to go back to your role now, honey. You can't take over this whole thing. <laughs> That's interesting. I would not have thought Kirsten was one of was one of them. Oh man, oh, I was, yeah, no, yeah. she. Oh wow, yeah, she likes to just show up, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I, I no. Mean, yeah, that that makes sense. I can see her <laughs> as being that person. Um, so, uh. When you um when when did you start writing? Um, are you you know have you been in um another career? Or have you just been like wanting to just start writing uh, for a while? Uh, so I started writing. Uh, my first degree is in uh, playwriting. I got my first degree in playwriting from Brown University, uh, and then I promptly was like, "That's cool. I want to go be an actor." Uh, and so I acted professionally 
Um, I'm still acting professionally on and off, uh, but I did that pretty solidly for about a decade. Uh, so 10 years and uh, I went to grad school for acting. I worked, you know, for a long time and I about, about like 2018, I feel, I started feeling just um, a little unsatisfied with the career. And I'm like, I think I need to find like, not that I ever wanted to leave acting, but that I wanted to find something else, like a parallel uh, creative outlet. So I started, um, I started writing again uh, for the first time since college. Uh, and I wrote a bunch of short stories or short plays. Um, and then when it came to writing Jackal, that it started, Jackal started like uh, late uh, 2018 and just like in little, like just little bits here and there. Like I got a couple of ideas for the folklore. Uh, I got an idea of my main antagonist and then I got the idea for Liz. And then once those things were in place, then I really started writing. Um, but when it comes to like writing as a career, I didn't even really, I never considered it growing up because it felt like way too lofty. Somehow acting seemed more, more tangible, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, but that's how my brain was thinking. And then, yeah, I started turning more to writing in 2018. And then, yeah, 2019, oh, I really tried to, I was like, okay, I'm just going to try this like I'm gonna really really try this and just see what happens because acting was you know becoming pretty like I'm like okay I know I know the audition season I know what to expect I know what this cycle is uh and I'm like let me just actually just like do it and I um at the, near the end of 2019 I think I, I applied to like every like I was like okay I'm gonna apply to a bunch of uh um, dramatic writing opportunities, a bunch of playing opportunities. I'm going to really start to buckle down on this book, uh, which was initially a novella, and then it got very, very big. <laughs> uh, and I just, uh, I was in a place with um, everything, with day job-wise, with, uh, with audition season-wise, that I was like, I can really uh, turn hard for about three months. And so that's what I did. And um, gradually some of the fruits of that hard turn started to come back and then that would grant me more time to write. And so then I just kind of became this ever feeding cycle and then the pandemic happened uh, and suddenly everything I thought I was doing was just like, I remember I had um, a play reading that was supposed to be in person and it was, we had to put the whole thing on Zoom in like three days. It was, and that's back when we didn't even know what Zoom was. And I'm like, how do I use this platform? People can't talk at the same time. What is this? <laughs> what is lag? And um, just really, uh, and then like, but after like those first couple little, like I feel like Zoom readings, a lot of the industry that I was working in just stopped. It just, everything stopped. Uh, and then when, when I when I finally came out of my like, oh my God, this is the end of the world uh, panic, I gradually, my writing group, which used to only meet like every three months, we started to meet uh, every week on Zoom. And so I started just like churning out pages of this book and I kept coming back to this book in a really like invigorated way. And the bulk of draft one like happened in the three months in the summer of 2020. And then things just, it just, things just like, you know, they say work begets work begets work begets work. It's like things just started uh, 
going on from there. And so right now, I think I can finally say this. No, I can say this for right now. That might change. Uh, I am a full-time writer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a very, awesome. very strange thing to say. Um, but yeah, thank you. I, I, it, it's for now. Who knows what will happen? Uh, but right now, that's what I do for all my income. So first of all, that's awesome. Um, I I feel like horror had just this really wonderful moment and thrillers too in the pandemic everybody is kind of uh, it's so funny one of my co-workers who does um podcasts with us um she's a co-host evelyn is like mm -hmm. if it, i said to her yesterday evelyn if it wasn't for you pretty much almost all of our episodes would just be about like these books where horrible things happen because <laughs> i am a huge fan of horror and thrillers mm -hmm. um Jen, who's another co-host of ours, is as well, although she'll go the historical fiction route or something a little bit less, mm -hmm. you know, with, with less claws. But for me, as you know, I mean, as soon as this one came across my desk, I was like, yep, we're doing this. This is <laughs> especially since 2020. This is 100 percent my book. Um, yeah. ha have you what have you been reading in general? Like, what do you like to read? Um, I like to read everything. I like to read very widely. Um, I just read, I just finished uh, The Woman Could Fly by Megan Giddings. Uh, that's been my, my commuting read. Um, and that was just, I just, first of all, I just love Megan, Megan Giddings. <laughs> Her books are like, they're layered and complicated and just like kind of like make my brain go a bit tingly. Uh, and she also uses a lot of horror uh, and uh, speculative fiction um the other I've also I've been on a bit of a horror binge myself uh I also uh before that I finished um the Paul Bearers Club by Paul Tremblay just just adore, adore Paul Tremblay period um like I think I read a head full of ghosts back in oh goodness it must have been like 2017 2018 it came out in 2018 six years ago. um and I read that and I was like what else is there give me all the books <laughs> and like properly grab like add it all to cart um but I also like reading um you know I just like reading everything um uh what's the other one the last oh it's it was a big book a few years ago but I finally got around to reading it uh was uh leave the world behind by Ramon Alam that was Oh, I was like, I didn't know I needed that book, and yet yeah, there that it was. book was that was um the that's the one with the Airbnb. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that that book was really really good. That book and um oh my gosh, there was another book that came um that came out around the same time called When No One's Watching by yeah, it's by Alyssa Cole, yeah, yeah, by by Alyssa Cole, which like I it's so funny, like those books are almost like if you pair them, it's almost like a fine wine you know and like yes like they're just they they're different but there's there's threads of similarity and you can sit down and enjoy one and the other one is a good a, a good companion but also mm -hmm. a palate cleanser so yeah no that's a great book um yes, leave the world yes. behind yes um I'm trying to, of course, it's like when someone asks you what's your, your favorite movie and your brain, your, everything falls out of your brain. Oh, totally. Everybody um, asks librarians, can you recommend a book? And we're just like, uh, I like books. We yeah, have them I'm, here. I, I feel like I'm like sticking because we're talking about horror. My brain's like, oh, I can pull these ones. What are like something outside of that genre? 
like I love a good rom-com um I love like I love high fantasy oh I just I'm finally on the I'm going to butcher the name I need to look it up one second quickest quickest thing oh where is it no yes I started I started uh the dark star trilogy uh black leopard red wolf um I'm a huge fan of like any sort of fantasy um oh I read the city we became by N.K. Jemsen that oh she's just so good I there's That's there's some <laughs> that was a cool one yeah 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 but I you know I like to just kind of like you know pick around and move around I think it's because like as a kid I you know grew up going to libraries like I remember that was like I think our Saturday activity at my dad's house and my mom's house um that we would uh, go to the library and remember just like walking through the stacks and just like grabbing like whatever I thought was really cool and I still remember I brought up a few times and a few things I've done, but it's it was impressionable that when I first arrived at the library, I was only allowed to check out five books at a time. And I was like, excuse me, I need more. And uh, after a few weeks of me, go, like, you know, I would do the, bring the books back, the librarian's like, okay, as long as you read them, you can get seven books. <laughs> and so I went, I was like the, the one kid who could get seven books and I felt so special. And probably looking back, I probably was not the only child doing it, but I feel like they're like, please don't lose these child. <laughs> but, so because of that, I feel like I don't really stick to one section. I kind of like wander around. It's kind of why I really like, oh, I love a bookstore because <laughs> Me too. I know be, it's like we, I just get to walk around and look at things and read the back of books and talk to booksellers. Like I have. And then I have a dog. If you've seen me, I've been like wrangling her during this. So she doesn't uh, try to get on my lap. And we just like go to the store and like, look, I'm still someone. I feel like I'm still somebody who like, I like to like touch things and look at them before I engage. A hundred percent. So we only have a few minutes left. Are you working on another book at the moment? Yes, I am very deep in revisions for my second book. Uh, my second book is also has a horror angle, but we're going the more domestic horror route, like the calls are coming from inside the house, so to speak. Uh, it's uh, following uh, two first-generation uh, Haitian sisters uh, and them unraveling a mystery that's taking place in their family. So that's going to deal a lot with sibling dynamics, <laughs> if you can't guess, uh, and a lot with what it means to be first-generation, what it means to be... Uh, um, and when I say that, I mean like someone whose parents were born in another country and then uh, they came here and had you. So you're the first generation that's born here in the States and you become like, which is uh, something I identify as my, my mother is Haitian from Haiti. I'm the first child that she had here. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird growing up experience where you're you're translating things for your parents um and not just like language things you're translating like american culture things for your parents and trying to you know navigate that and like you know growing up like you know how do you explain as a teenager that it's like normal for people to have sleepovers and you're like or like what prom is and why i should totally go uh and um, so just like like that experience is just so disorienting and the the kind of like where does the horror element come in I think something that I find fascinating especially as an adult uh, I'm a woman in my 30s 
and like growing up I'm like I'm like oh there's a person a totally like there's a person that my 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 parents were before they had me <laughs> like this there was someone totally different in some cases before I came along and I feel like especially for the children of immigrants they can be some someone totally like I'm like well, I'm lived in a whole other country she spoke a whole other language she had a whole nother culture uh before I came along and so it's uh not looking at not horror as in something that's you know negative so to speak it's more just like I don't know, it's different and shocking in uh, looking at our parents as as people. But uh, the sibling dynamic is still what is uh, uh, foremost in the front. I'm talking about it now because that's what I'm working on in revisions the most right now. Well, this was awesome. I can't wait to read it. Um, and please come back sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all the nice things you said in my book. Thank you. Thank you for thank reading. Thank you. <laughs> so this is Jessica. Our guest was... Uh, Aaron E. Adams. And we are going to close this chapter of Turn the Page. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> and half the time I have like coffee in my hand too. Like, this is very yes. rare that I don't. There we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Caffeine at all times. Caffeine all the time. Um